This is the In Focus podcast from The Hindu. Hello and welcome to the In Focus podcast. My name is Jayan Sriram and I'm your host for today. On this episode, we discuss China's once in a decade population census. the results of which were released today the numbers show that china has recorded a slowing population growth rate that will likely see its population peak and be overtaken by india's by as early as 2025 according to experts with the number of births falling for the fourth consecutive year the seventh census released today by the national bureau of statistics in beijing noted that 12 million babies were born last year the lowest number since 1961 A year when China was in the midst of a four-year famine unleashed by the Great Leap Forward policy in 1958 that devastated the farm sector and claimed millions of lives in the country. So there is a lot to break down in this episode to understand how China got to these numbers, what it says now about the changing composition of China's demographics and what will be its long-term economic impact. There is also the overarching question of what this means for the comparison with India. and the window of time now in which a demographic dividend could come into play i'm joined by the hindus china correspondent anand krishnan to discuss anand welcome back to the podcast it's a very complex issue we're discussing today thank you for making time for us thank you jayant right so the main takeaways from the census data that came out today uh, let's just kind of summarize them Sure I think uh, for me Jayan probably the headline takeaway is just that uh the data that we got today is for the last 10 years which is why it's significant uh China has annual surveys but it does this huge census once in every 10 years which is a most sort of complex exercise that gives us a sense of demographic trends in China so what we do know is that uh China's population uh, is up 5.38% from a decade before which might seem as uh, not <laughs> for a country as big as China as you might think that's fine but then if you look at the annual average population growth in the last 10 years you're looking at 0.53% growth to put it in very simple terms giant that's the slowest since uh, 1961 which was the middle of the great leap forward when you had this huge famine of course in China so this pretty much tells us that China's population is growing slowly the census tells us that china is going to peak much earlier uh, than what people were fearing in china and of course this leads to all sorts of questions giant which we can get into in our conversation in terms of what it means for the composition of china's population the aging problem what it means for the economy so a whole lot of uh, consequences of this trend uh, and the fact that uh, it's happening so soon is something that's a huge source of concern for chinese policymakers Right uh so just one question that we should get to um you know before we get into those issues is that there are um there's of, there's often skepticism and concerns you know related about the nature of data that emerges from China so how accurate right. is this data that they are putting out Well that's a good question and I think that any conversation that you have about China's demography or even its economy I think it really has to be prefaced by qualifiers about the data Now before getting into how accurate the data put out today may 11th is uh, maybe it's just useful to give a little bit of background about 
how exactly the census was done. So every year we do get trends on Chinese population data that comes from small sampling, small surveys. But every 10 years, they pretty much have this huge door-to-door exercise involving millions of surveyors who carry out this once-in-10-year census. So even for Chinese demographers, for Chinese experts, economists, they use this once-in-10-year survey to kind of check the annual surveys and to, to make sure whether what the government is telling them every year is accurate uh, or if it's off the mark. Now, having said that, Giant, uh, even the national population census is something that's very carefully controlled by the National Bureau of Statistics. Like other government agencies, it is completely uh, under the control of the Communist Party of China. uh, And there's no doubt whatsoever that its numbers are going to be approved politically. This is by no means an independent or autonomous exercise. Uh, the previous six censuses that were carried out giant were in 1953, 1964, 82, 1990, 2010, uh, which is why there's so much attention on this census, uh, which is the first since 2010. And there were uh, doubts even uh, prior to today's release about this particular data because you had this very uh, strange episode where you had the Financial Times newspaper uh, reporting that for the first time, that China would post a population decline. Uh, But that was denied uh, by the Chinese government, which said the report was wrong and the population grew last year. Uh, As we have seen, the official numbers say uh, that the population did grow marginally. Uh, So they were careful to ensure that uh, the numbers weren't declining. We don't know uh, what exactly happened with that episode and how the Financial Times reported that. Uh, They cited people in the government, uh, which, of course, just underlined already existing fears that this data was being massaged uh, to ensure that the numbers were what the Communist Party wanted to be conveyed. Now, having said that, Giant, one may ask, if the numbers aren't accurate, why do we bother looking at it at all? Uh, and that's a valid question. Uh, I think there are two right. answers to that. The first being that we have no other alternative. Uh, and yeah. the second being that even if the data isn't accurate, uh, I would say that what is useful is in using Chinese official numbers not to take them at face value by any stretch of the imagination, but to use them to garner more macro trends, to give us like a big picture of which direction things are going. And I think even if you account for massaging of this data, I think it's pretty clear, uh, as I just said, in which way uh, China's population changes are going, even from the official National Bureau of Statistics data. Right. So Anand, if I could just sort of take you back a little bit. Um, in 2015, China scrapped its one-child policy. And that, I think, was in recognition of the fact that there was going to be, or what they foresaw as this kind of looming demographic crisis. What's kind? What's been the discussion around that since? Has, has that policy, has that scrapping of that policy seen any kind of a reversal? So I think that there have been changes, Giant, over the last few years to what we call the one-child policy. But to begin with, it never actually... For the last few years, it hasn't technically been a one-child policy. Uh, Even going back uh, to the 2000s, it only applied to uh, urban residents in China. If you lived in a village in China, you could have two children if your first child uh, was a girl. So there were sort of uh, loopholes to this policy. If you were an ethnic minority, the policy didn't apply to you. So it wasn't a blanket one-child policy. Uh, But having said that, uh, as you rightly said, following the 2010 census and after there were huge concerns in China about the trends. Uh, and I think uh, it's clear to everyone that this is a result of the very uh, strict 
and harsh family planning policies that the Communist Party had put in place. Now, if you look at uh, the discussions in the Chinese media today, uh, for observers such as us, it's quite strange to see where there's so much of concern about the demographic trends, but no one really acknowledging the elephant in the room, which is this is completely a result of uh, Communist Party of China policies. Uh, and that's something that obviously no one in China is right. going to be saying, especially given that uh, July is going to be the 100th year anniversary of the Communist Party of China. And just last month, you had uh, President Xi Jinping say that uh, when this anniversary is going to be marked, there shouldn't be any uh, kind of discussions that are critical of Communist Party history. So you aren't going to see that kind of acknowledgement in China, but I think it's obvious to anyone that it's because of these family planning policies, which China officially says spared it 300 million births. Uh, and in China's view, uh, it helped uh, the country in some ways. But I think that most demographers will tell you that uh, the chickens are coming home to roost. Uh, you've seen East Asian countries, Western countries, where populations naturally decline at a certain, certain stage of development. But China obviously is now on a completely different track uh, because of what uh, family planning policies did. Now, in 2016, uh, China amended the family planning policy to allow all couples to have two children. But the curious thing is the boom that the Chinese government wanted never really materialized. And I think that that shows uh, many things. For one, I think there's a deep psychological legacy and impact of the family planning policies of the past. Second, just like in any other country, especially Chinese who live in urban areas, given the cost of living, uh, many choose not to have two children. So I think there's very little the government can do now uh, to turn around uh, these decades uh, of messaging to Chinese people saying that having many children was bad. I think it's a huge challenge for them. Now, there is a lot of debate in China whether China should scrap family planning entirely. It's important to state that while they've eased the regulations and they now allow couples to have two children, the entire family planning apparatus is still in place. If you have more than two children, you're going to be penalized. Uh, so I think psychologically, uh, some Chinese demographers and sociologists say that China should completely abandon its entire family planning regime. So far, there's been no sense of the Communist Party of China wanting to do that, but that might be the next step if uh, the situation continues as is. Right. And Anand, what, what do these latest figures, uh, what do they tell us about the composition of um, the, the nature of China's changing demographics, if you will? Well, John, I think obviously the, the headline sort of numbers, as I said, was that the population hit 1.41 billion uh, and that uh, the growth rate over the 10 years was something lower than what people expected uh, and that China's population has only gone up by 72 million since the last census in 2010, which is obviously such a small number for a country of China's size. Now, breaking down the population uh, composition, obviously... The most striking numbers are the population of older Chinese. Uh, data showed that there's a huge rise in percentage of Chinese age 60 and above to 18.7% of the population, up from 13.3% in 2010. Uh, the portion of Chinese aged between 15 and 59 uh, had declined from 70% in 2010 to 63.3% in 2020. So I think it's very clear uh, in terms of the aging trends. Beyond that, I shouldn't say the numbers are all dire giant. I think if you look at some things such as education, I think uh, it really shows uh, what China has done right uh, on this count. Uh, the population census tells you uh, the number of people with university education per 100,000 went up from 
8,930 to 15,467, so doubled in the last 10 years. Uh, same with people with secondary school education and junior secondary school education. So I think those are numbers that show how China has a shrinking workforce, but a much more educated workforce. Uh, I think the other trends that are quite interesting are urbanization, which remind us how China is urbanizing much more quickly than India is. Uh, the urban population now accounts for almost 64% uh, in 2020, uh, up from about 45% 10 years ago, which is quite a remarkable uh, speed of urbanization. And I think that that's something really for India to take away uh, for since obviously China's economic growth model and the changes that are happening are so much tied now to having an urbanized, educated population. Right, yeah. So I guess it, that brings us to the big question, which is what will be the long-term economic impact on China when we look at these numbers? And I think in talking about that, we can also kind of even a story about what this uh, what this means for the uh, comparison that, you know, India, you know, we always compare ourselves to China in, in many respects. So, you know, we'll kind of weave that part of the story in um, a little bit later on the answer. But just to start with, what is the long-term economic impact on China? Now, obviously, Giant, I think that the one hope that at least some people in China who are s- supportive of Chinese uh, family planning policy say is that they always believe that changes in technology, automation might offset uh, these other demographic changes. But that's not what most people believe uh, even within China. Uh, I think just to give you a sense of uh, the kind of uh, concern that you're even seeing from official Chinese think tanks, uh, an interview today uh, with China's official broadcaster, you had one demographer, Huang Wenzheng, who's at the China Center for Globalization. Uh, he dis- described the population decline as, quote, the biggest challenge the Chinese nation faces in the next century. Uh, even more interesting, Jayan, that you recently had uh, a paper put out by China's central bank which usually doesn't uh, comment on such matters, but you had researchers from China Central Bank uh, put out a paper calling for an immediate liberalization of birth policies. Uh, so they wanted something much more radical than what you had in 2016, where you just changed it from one child to two children. And that clearly didn't have an impact. Um, and the, cent- the Central Bank of China said that at this rate, that the nation would have a smaller share of workers supporting a higher burden for elderly care than the United States by 2050. And obviously, that's a far higher income country. Uh, I think there's a huge concern on what this will mean for China's growth. Uh, Also, keep in mind that unlike the United States and other countries, China has a very restrictive immigration policy. Uh, The population census also kind of had figures on the number of foreigners uh, in China. And I think it uh, makes up less than 1% of the population. And there are no signs that China is going to drastically change uh, its view on having foreign migrants uh, to prop up its workforce. So that's something that's unlikely to happen. Uh, and I think that there's no question that uh, this will have a huge impact uh, burden on the healthcare system as well, which China has been struggling to reform. Uh, and I think that down the line, the next 10, 15 years or so, I don't think it will be an exaggeration to say, uh, as Huang Wenzheng did, that this is going to be something that's going to guide Chinese decision making in probably every aspect of running the country. Uh, from economy to technology to even healthcare. Right. And so uh, just coming to the India comparison, does this slowdown that we're seeing in the, in the numbers that China has put out, um, sort of looking at it a few years down the line, maybe several years down the line, what does it say about when, is there a possibility now that India's population could catch up or even overtake China's? It's interesting that the forecast of when uh, China would peak, which is something that's obviously tied 
to when India would overtake China. Uh, they've been uh, changing so frequently. Uh, just looking at the last few years of reports, right. the last four or five years, I've seen that number change from 2030 to 2027 to today now, the estimate's 2025. Uh, so if China is going to peak by 2025 and then decline uh, shortly after, estimates suggest that India may overtake China uh, in terms of total population between 2025 and 2027. Uh, now, obviously, there are two sides to this giant. Uh, as we have seen, the declining population and the aging population is going to pose a lot of economic burdens for China. Uh, and so we, you've had people speak for the longest time about India's demographic dividend. Uh, but the flip side of that giant is I, I think that you have economists in India also caution us that a demographic dividend is something that has to be really earned uh, in the sense that you have to have uh, enough jobs for the young people that are coming to the workforce, something that India is struggling to do, uh, that you have to have a highly educated workforce. Uh, and as I flagged, uh, those are two things that China did right, uh, even if it's now dealing with the fallout of its very regressive family planning policies. I think that from China's story over the last two decades, it's clear that uh, creating jobs and having a trained workforce was something was so key to its economic rise. And I think that unless those two things are, are met, those two conditions are met, I think that the demographic dividend is something that uh, will be there in theory, but obviously uh, India will be able to make the most of that when China enters this completely new phase of growth over the next 20, 30 years. Right, Anand. So yeah, as you mentioned, I think the economic aspect of this in terms of demographic dividend is something that we should probably explore separately in another podcast. But just before we end with this one, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interest in this amongst our listeners. And this data has just come out today. And I thought I would ask you to end by just saying, what are the news reports that you are reading today about this? And is there any kind of long-term studies or articles that we can point out that people can go to to get more information? Well, Jayant, uh, I've been spending time today looking at the raw data, which is put out uh, by the National Bureau of Statistics of China, uh, China's NBS. Um, of course, it's a, a, a curious thing, Jayant, as I logged in this morning, I found that the website has uh, actually been blocked in India. Uh, so if you don't have a VPN, right. that'll be no good to you. Uh, but it's quite curious that it seems to have been blocked along with a number of other websites during the boundary crisis. I'm not exactly sure why blocked the statistics website for China, but that's where you get most of the data that I've been citing in this podcast. Uh, since you can't access that, uh, I would point users to the South China Morning Post has a dedicated section uh, on China census and demographics 2021. Uh, it has explainers on the census. It has views of Chinese experts and what they think. Uh, and I would uh, point users to that. Uh, and if you want more deeper reading on what exactly got China in this mess in the first place, uh, you would like to go back uh, to how China carried out family planning, uh, I would recommend a book by Mei Fong called One Child, The Story of China's Most Radical Experiment for deeper reading on the family planning policies themselves. Right. Fantastic. Anand, I'm sure this is an issue that we'll and subject that we'll return to again at some form in the future. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Dan. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. 
We'll see you soon.